Thank you for tuning in to the World Overcomers podcast. On behalf of our senior pastor, Andy Thompson, we appreciate your continued support and generosity. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to receive updates when we post new content every week. If you would like more information or want to make a contribution to World Overcomers or Pastor Andy, visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Once again, that is www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Enjoy the message. Amen. We all said together. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Small up yourself. Small up yourself. If I can draw your attention to verse 10 where Paul says, yes, yeah, see, that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and I delight in hardships. I delight in persecutions. I delight in insults. I delight in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Anybody remember testimony service? Back in the day the church I grew up in, we had testimony service. Sometimes it was a set time in the service. Sometimes testimony service would be signified by somebody in the service starting to sing a song and this now signified to everybody that Sunday service and testimony service was about to happen. reason I live this life, I don't want to be lost. I don't want to be lost when Jesus come. And everybody would sing it and then they would launch into their testimony. And now we knew this was the time in service when folk in the crowd got to tell their testimony. Grew up in an old church like that. They had testimony service. And I certainly grew up in a, in a church like that where you did come to service and didn't just hear the preacher talk, but you got a chance to hear from the people that were around you because there was something about hearing about God moving in the life of everybody and not just the preacher. There was something about being in a service next to somebody. It's why we gather together. It's why you tune in, but it's, it's nice to tune in, but there's something about sitting next to somebody and they feel God and you know that God's alive in them because the enemy likes to single you out and make you think you're the only one going through what you're going through, but there's just something about being in a service with somebody that's excited about God and excited about Jesus and there's something about having in your mind your testimony anybody got a testimony in here anybody got a story they could tell anybody can say you don't know like I know what the Lord has done for me you can't tell it let me tell it that's what they they would sing you can't tell it let me tell it what the Lord has done for me I have a testimony I just came back from Boston and I was there and uh, speaking in my dad's church my brother's church for their conference and while I was there I was driving around there were folk there with, with me that worked for me and 
and I and we drove down to where I grew up and drove through the hood and drove through the the, the humble beginnings and I was showing people places that I used to get rocks thrown at me and showed them my bus stop and showed them the projects that I went to church across the street from and showed and as I was driving through I started to think about what God has done for me and where he's brought me from and 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 if it had not been for the Lord on my side I don't know who I'm talking to this morning but if it had not been for God on my side if I let myself think about it my praise certainly does come from my testimony Anybody got a testimony in here? Anybody right now can think about it like, yeah, the Lord protected me. As a matter of fact, just this past week, I was about to pull out and something stopped me and I was about to go. And if I hadn't paused in that exact moment, I wasn't even paying attention. And I looked up right at the right time and I avoided something just at the right time. Surely the Lord is real. I need somebody in the room to say something to me. I need somebody around the world to say, oh, no, 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 God is real. Oh, no, no, no. Some people doubt the Lord, but he's real in my soul. I have consistent confirmations that God is alive and God is real. This, this thing is hard to do if you don't believe he's real. This is a hard thing to do if you're not looking for signs that he's moving. Went down through the hood and went and gotten a drove past my dad's first little church. And I grew up in a little church with pews and, and aisles down the center and aisles on the side. I grew up in a, I didn't grow up in a church like this with screens and smoke. I grew up in a church with the choir in a row. I grew up in a church where the choir came marching down the center of the aisle in the beginning of the service. And they did it in a certain kind of way. And sometimes they would take two steps back and you'd be like, ooh. I grew up in a, in a, in a church where the choir sang and the choir director was, and you'd be like, ooh. I grew up in a church where when the tenors sang, everybody lost their mind. Because they won but six dudes in the church anyway. But I grew up in a church where we sang the hymns. We're marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. I remember thinking, y'all sure do have an attitude face to be marching to beautiful Zion, the beautiful city. I in a church where the ushers had one glove on hand behind their back and took you to your seat and looked at you how many you need I grew up in a church where there was testimony service don't get quiet on me in the room because most of y'all in this room in this place here in North Carolina grew up in a little hot church with a little fan on a piece of wood You fanned yourself, and there was testimony service. 
Now, in the church I grew up in, I don't know about you, but it sounds like we grew up in a similar church, there was three kinds of testimony that happened in the testimony service. The first kind was just the standard testimony that Mother Johnson gave every time there was testimony service. All of a sudden, we're having testimony service. You know that Sister Johnson is going to get up and tell her testimony. Praise God. And it always started with praise God, praise God. And it ended with praise God, praise God. And it was filled of all of the stuff you say in church. Praise God, praise God. I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus. Praise God, praise God. He's the Lord of my life. Praise somebody. Praise God, praise God. He's the Lord over my family. Praise God, praise God. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, praise God, praise God. And I've had a tough time, but God in my life. Praise God, praise God pray my strength in the Lord and sat down you knew that that was what she was going to say that was the first kind of testimony then the second kind was a testimony where somebody actually had a praise report this would happen somebody would actually get up and say and this person very often didn't really know the form or fashion of how to speak they didn't know how to get up and say praise the Lord saints praise the Lord I said praise the Lord saints they didn't know how to do that they just got up and and then the pastor would say oh yes and they would say well praise the Lord and praise the Lord you know and they, they'd be like okay well I I got a, a I had a job and I I got a promotion at my job praise the Lord Everybody lost their mind. It was like, wow, an actual, really serious testimony. Then there was the third kind of testimony. And the third kind of testimony was somebody talking who's supposed to be giving a testimony, but the longer they talked, they started kind of complaining. And I done lost my job, and these babies don't know how to act, and I done had to kick my teenager out. And, and, and at that point, if you had a pastor like ours, he would say, now, now, mother, this is testimony, because it's starting to sound like a prayer request. And prayer request was a part of the service. There was spoken prayer requests, and then there was unspoken prayer requests to be made known by the raising of the hand. Stop acting like y'all don't know nothing about church. And then we're going to sing sweet hour prayer, and then Deacon Johnson is going to come and pray for everybody in the name of Jesus. Here's my point. What I'm saying is, is that when somebody got to complaining, we stopped them. We didn't really go by what Paul says here in, in the Corinthians because what Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12 and verse 10 is that, well, actually, I boast in my insults. Actually, I boast about my weaknesses. Actually, I boast about the persecutions. Actually, I boast about the hard stuff. We stopped people from talking about the bad stuff that was happening. We created a world in which we all are going to do our best to give as much praise to God, even if it's fake. And we're all going to put on a good, happy smile and put on a rosy face and put on a happy face and 
front in front of everybody and act like everything's amazing. And I would contend that one of the reasons why folk don't want to have that much to do with us as they used to is because we lost the ability to admit, no, 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 stuff is hard. No, 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 don't get it twisted. I love the Lord. He heard my cry, but I've been through something this week. I've been through something this month. I've been through something this year. Stuff ain't been right since this and that. It doesn't mean that I don't still believe in God, but I'm honest enough to admit that they did insult me. Paul is saying, in hardships, in difficulties, in persecutions, in lack. I boast about the lack. We don't boast about the lack. We lie about the lack. We front like everything's amazing. We front like we balling. We front like we blinging. We, we put out an image like everything's amazing because we are more aware of what people think of us than we are of what God has to say. What happens is that we just get to a place in which we say, for when I'm weak, then I am strong. <laughs> I don't even know if you can say you've been in church without understanding that phrase, for when I'm weak, then I am strong. We sing a song that says, and now let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich because of what the Lord has done for us. So, when, so now let the weak say, I'm strong. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. I can admit that I have said, yeah, when I'm weak, then I am strong. But most of the time, it's a statement that we make because we're forced to make that statement. We're trying to get out of the weak state as quickly as possible. And we figure if we make a good confession, then we'll get out of it quick. We're making it because we're being made to make it. We're making it because we're being forced to make it. We don't want to necessarily admit that times are tough. We don't necessarily want to admit that things are hard. We don't want to necessarily admit that we're afraid or that we're scared or that we're lonely or that we're broke or that we don't know how it's going to happen or we're worried about what's going to take place next. We are almost forced to be grateful. And there were a lot of us, like me, who were raised to be fake. You had a mama that told you fix your face. You had a situation in which most of the time you weren't happy about what you had and you had to smile around it anyway and act like it was okay. And so now we're all walking around with our Holy Ghost masks on as if everything we have is everything we want. And if something bad enough happens, we quickly start praying for God to change that. And if we make a confession when I'm weak, then I'm strong. It really is more of a concession than a confession. 
We say because we're forced to, and I, like you, me too, because I was raised making a good confession. I was raised to not even claim you were sick. You claimed your healing. I'm catching a healing is what you were taught to say. And so I'm right there with you. When I did say when I'm weak, that's when he makes me strong. I kind of said it because I was supposed to say it. But, beloved, maybe, just maybe, and I'm, I'm laying this out for your consideration this morning. Maybe, just maybe, this is how God moves is it really from glory to glory? What most of us want is to go from glory to glory. One of the things that happens is when you ascend your mountain, I've preached this from this stage before, when you ascend your mountain, when you get to the top of that mountain, you are going to notice that there is a range of mountains behind it that you could not see. And those mountains may even be higher than the mountain you're on now. You think something's some money till you get it. You think something is power till you get it. You think something is position until you get it. Then when you get there, you realize there's a whole nother mountain behind that mountain that has to be that you now notice. And the challenge is you can't step from the top of a mountain to the top of another mountain. What you'll have to do is go down from that mountain, walk through a valley for a little bit, and then ascend another mountain. And the challenge is that for many of us, the work it took to get up the mountain we're on now was so much that we can't imagine descending from our current place, walking through a low place again to ascend a higher mountain. Is it really glory to glory or is it really from glory to valley to glory? Can we admit the pain required for success? It's just something that we don't do. It's something that we don't talk enough about. We don't talk enough about how hard it was to get to where we are now. We don't talk about the fact that the tough moments is what makes you. The minute we get in a tough moment, we want that tough moment to be gone as quickly as possible. But if we really are honest, if we really take a step back and think about where we are, if it's in a great place, very often you go from worst to first. You go from least to great. Matthew chapter 11, this is a tough moment. This is not an easy moment. We looked at this passage last Sunday. It's not an easy moment. It's not an easy moment for John the Baptist. It's not an easy moment for Jesus. John the Baptist is in prison. If you read Matthew chapter 11, John the Baptist is in prison. John the Baptist is in prison for the gospel. John the Baptist is in prison 
for church. He's in prison for preaching. Now, I'm so glad there's a call of God on my life. And for every one of us who have some kind of call, connected to some kind of call, volunteering or serving or in full time, whatever we think we go through to be called of God, it ain't jail. We might think we're dealing with some hardships and think we're dealing with some persecutions, but ain't nobody getting locked up for Jesus in here. I've been through a lot as a result of the gospel and the call of God on my life. But it ain't been no jail, though. John the Baptist is in prison. And he sends his disciples to Jesus to say, are you the one who is to come or should we expect somebody else? That means that John the Baptist, who was preaching about the upcoming appearance of Jesus, the John the Baptist that pointed and said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world is in a place in his life in which he's wondering what was he saying was even true. This is hard for us to admit. It's hard for church folk to admit that you go through doubts sometimes. Sometimes you wonder, is the Lord even listening to you when you're praying? I need a witness in the room. I need a witness around the world. Sometimes you just think to yourself now, is this thing real or not? Lord, are you with me or not? God, are you listening to me or not? It's a tough moment for John the Baptist. It's a tough moment for Jesus because Jesus is his cousin. So Jesus knows that he's in jail, not for something wrong, but for something right. And it's possible to be persecuted for being right. It's possible to be right and stuff not go your way. It's absolutely possible to be called and anointed and gifted and in the will of God and hell break loose. Jesus looks around and says to everybody, listen, listen, listen. I'm telling you, what did you go to look for? A reed blowing in the wind? Perhaps he said that in defense of this moment where it sounds like John is doubting who Christ is. I almost want to just stop there for a minute just to let us all admit that sometimes we can doubt who Christ is. Sometimes things can get so tough that you doubt who the Messiah is. You doubt whether in the name of Jesus actually works. Jesus says to them, I'm telling y'all right now, amongst those born of a woman, no one has gotten here greater than John the Baptist, yet whoever is least in the kingdom is greater than him. Now, I've preached this and reinforced justification. 
I've preached this and kind of just talked about how generous God is and how wonderful Jesus is and he just loves everybody and he just wants everybody to be encouraged and so he's saying John the Baptist is the greatest dude ever he's the greatest prophet ever but you know what whoever's least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist so whoever's in this room who feels the least, I've always preached it this way. Whoever feels the least, whoever's watching and feels like I'm the last somebody that God would ever do anything for, well, I had a passage for them to say, yeah, but Jesus said whoever's least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. And so I was always preaching it as if to say, oh, yeah, God will do something for you no matter what because it's grace and his mercy and his love. And that's, that's how I always preached it, and I've come to the understanding that a part of the reason why I preached that way is because maybe I have a least complex maybe I have a hard time admitting that I'm least maybe I have a hard time admitting that I'm not in the best place Maybe I have a hard time admitting that I'm not at my best. Maybe, just maybe, what the Lord is saying is, yeah, but I like you in the least place. I like it when you're not so sure. I like it when you're not so confident. And maybe what this passage is implying is that you ought to small up yourself and stop acting like you something that you're not so that God's power can actually be made strong when you admit that you're weak. And maybe by fronting and Faking like we not least, we disconnect ourselves from the power that actually makes you great. That the more you need him, the more he shows up. Oh, I need a witness in the building. Maybe God likes us in that situation. I know there's a passage I've quoted from this stage quite often there in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 26 where Paul says, brothers and sisters, think about you what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the things that are not to nullify the things that, that are. Maybe God has a way of doing things, and I like the way God do what he do. And one of the things that God do is he is on the side of the oppressed. He is on the side of the one who can admit, I don't know what is going to happen, but my eyes are on him. Maybe God is in the corner of the underdog. And if we could just smile up ourselves, if we could just stop acting like everything is so amazing, maybe we would tap into a power that would actually get our need met. 
but our fake blocks us from real power. So what I'm trying to get you to do and me to do is just smell up yourself and decide it's not so bad being leased. It's not so bad being scared. Not so bad being worried. Not so bad being under. Not so bad being the last. Because the last shall be first. I talked about this some last Sunday. I want to pick it up and expound on it even more because I felt like I just glossed over it. But I'm determined to go from least to great. I can't go from least to great if I can't admit, admit I'm in the least place. If I can't admit that maybe the Lord has allowed some of this stuff to happen. There's things going on in my life right now that I'm like, Lord, you don't have to let this happen. Lord, you don't have to let this take place. You don't have to let them be that way. You don't have to let this befall me like this. But somehow I find myself in a weak moment when I need to do a hard thing. Word to God that when I was about to do the hardest thing, I felt like I was at my best. I know this is a tough word for you and me. I, I just wish that when I was ready, the opportunity would come. I would to God that I could time it so that I was ready to run when I was the most rested. Would to God that the challenge would come when I was at my most strong and my most confident. That's not how life works. Life has a way of catching you off guard. And when you are already on your last leg, then somebody want to hand you weights. If this message has blessed or encouraged you, feel free to visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast and learn more about WOCC or donate to the ministry. This enables us to continue to impact the kingdom in the best way possible. Oh, I wish I had a witness in the building. You are already feeling like you're at the end of your rope, and then you get another call. And you're thinking to yourself, I don't need another thing. I don't need another call. Don't nobody bring me no bad news. I don't need another problem. I don't need another difficulty. I'm all filled up with drama. And right when you're about to snap, is exactly the time when the greatest opportunity ever opens up the door and you're wondering, do I even have the strength or the endurance or the power or the faith or the prayer life? Oh my God, I wish I had a... Do I even have enough prayer life to even walk through this door? And I came to tell you that the Lord likes it when you like that. It means that you aren't going to boast about it. 
he going to get the glory because when you tell the story, you're going to be like, can I tell you something? This happened at the worst time in my life, but God stepped in and made a way for me right at the right time. And beloved, I've come to the understanding that it's not, it just happens too much for me not to put two and two together and realize that there's something about the least space that makes God move. This word is for me. This word is for anybody who's like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do next. Oh, I, I feel like I'm at one of the lowest places in my life. I'm in the darkest. I'm at one of my darkest moments. Beloved, if that's where you are, you are exactly in the situation where God is ready to move. This is what motivates God to move is when you can admit you're in the least spot. When you're in the least space, least, I'll give you some ideas, some thoughts. Least makes you lean. When I say least makes you lean, last, last Sunday I talked about least making you lean, meaning that you're leaning not on your own understanding. And the fact that we sang that song today just confirmed that I had a word for you, that I trust in the Lord with all of my heart, and I trust in the Lord with all of my strength, and I trust in the Lord with all of my mind, and lean not to my own understanding. Because when I'm in the least place, it makes me lean. But another way is that in the least place, I lean out. Meaning, I lose weight in the least place. Bible says, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off every sin and the weight and the stuff that so easily entangles and run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. When you get to the least place... You drop stuff. When you get to the least place, you start letting stuff go. When you get to the least place, you start losing weight. When you get to the least place, you can't take everything with you at, from the least place. When you get to your broke place, you can't take everybody with you. And you find out who's really with you when you get to your broke place. I don't know if you've ever got to your broke place and you found out who was really your friend and who was just with you because you were blessed. Sometimes you don't find that out. You let stuff go from your least place. From your least place, you forgive. From your least place, you say, well, I'm trying to fly. I don't know if you've ever been on a plane that was so small that the weight mattered. I was on a plane a couple of, a couple of months ago. It was a plane that was so small, I felt like I could touch one wall and touch the other wall. And when they came through and made somebody stand up and move to the back and somebody else get up and move to the side, and then, and then when, when then somebody did this, and then they were like, I got on my phone and started texting everybody what I would want to happen if I died. Because the plane was so small that weight mattered. I was listening to a preacher that was talking about flying, and he said that the, 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 the four primary elements of flight we just take for granted is thrust versus drag and lift versus weight. Thrust 
versus drag, meaning your propeller, your jet engines versus the drag against you, your thrust versus your drag, your lift versus your weight. And I would contend that there's a lot of us, like me, you have plenty of thrust, but you're dragging weight that keeps you from getting to where God wants you to get to. You've got plenty of lift, but you've got to drop some weight to get off the ground. I'm going to speak that over everybody under the sound of my voice. I want you to mount up on wings as eagles. I want you to run and not be weary and not walk and not faint, but you have to forgive some people. You're going to have to let some people go. You're going to have to drop some weight if you're going to get to the place that you're supposed to get to. You're going to have to small up yourself. You're going to have to get leaner and lighter if you're going to actually fly to get to where you're supposed to get to. Least makes you lean. Least makes you learn. Least makes you learn. Least makes you go back to formula. Least makes you realize... You're not as smart as you think you are. Part of the problem with most of us is we think we're smart till we find out we're not. Did you know that the median IQ in America is 98? That means half the country has double-digit IQs. Special needs designation is in the 70s. So the, the truth of the matter is, I read an interesting article that was saying that Americans spend a ratio of $1 on education to every $50 that they spend on entertainment. For black people, it's one to 200. So, what that means is you need to small up yourself. You're not as smart as you think you are. Oh, help us, Holy Ghost. You think you're smart. You're not as smart as you think you are. You're way too verbal and way too sharing of your opinion, and you haven't read enough to talk as much as you talk. And if you really want to have money, then you might want to learn about money. But you may not really want to learn about money till you don't have none. And then when you're at your least place, you come to the realization that what you thought you knew is not really anything that you knew. And then the more you know, the more you realize that you don't know. Sometimes I, I go back and I look at sermons <laughs> from when we first started. Sermons from when I was in my 30s and sermons when I was, I was so sure. I was, so, oh my God, I was so sure. Now, when I listen to myself now, half the time I feel like I'm just trying to cover every base because wisdom will let you know that it's not so black and white as you think it is. You think it's one thing when you're 28. Get 38, and you realize you didn't know what you were talking about at 20. Anybody remember being 18? 
No, I, I just need somebody to wave at me. Anybody remember being 18? This is why. I'm just kind of like, I, the thing that is scariest to me about our current world is how grown we want babies to be. We want babies to be grown. We want people who we don't allow to decide if they can drink to decide what gender they are. So we won't let you buy cigarettes because of the long-term effects of tobacco, but we're going to let you decide if hormone treatment is right for you at six years old. Let me just move on. What I'm saying is, is we think we're smarter than we are. We got to smart up. We got to small up ourselves. But we're so confident in our generation's perspective. Get some age on you. You'll realize maybe you don't know what you're thinking about. Tattoos all over your body might seem like a great idea when you're 18. But when you're 48. I said this before. I'm going to get me a Winnie the Pooh right on my arm right here. At 18, Winnie is standing up. But at 68, Winnie is laying over here. Like, you just understand. You ain't always going to be 18. And I know I'm not the only one in here that realizes how dumb I was when I was 18. I need a, I need a witness in the building. Oh, I need a witness. I didn't know what I was talking about. I thought I would know when I got to 28, till I got to 28. When I got to 28, oh, I, you couldn't tell me nothing when I was 28. When I turned 30, a whole nother anointing came on me, Elder Paul, and I just knew I was somebody. That's Jesus started his earthly ministry at 30. I am the whole, comp I am the complete package at 30. I thought I knew what I was talking about at 30 till I got to 40. At this point right now, anybody younger than 30, to me, you just have an umbilical cord coming out of you. You're just shaking your cord at me. I don't even really want to talk to you right now. You don't even know nothing until your heart been broke. You don't really know nothing until you done got laid off a couple of times. You don't even know nothing until you didn't have no money at all. You don't know nothing until you raise a teenager you want to kill. Oh, I wish I had a witness in the bill. Until you have your hands wrapped around the throat of somebody that you made. You really don't know nothing about life. Smell up yourself. Least make you read a book. But that's not what we do. We front. Well, I have a different kind of two-year-old. My two-year-old has to be allowed to scream in a supermarket instead of you realizing, no, small up yourself and learn how to handle somebody too. Let me move on before I get into trouble. Number three, least makes you love. Least makes you laud, L-A-U-D. It's a Latin word. It means worship it means praise the person who is forgiven much loves much if you have a hard time praising God you need to small up yourself and stop taking yourself so seriously and realize that if it had not been for God on your side, if it had not been for the Lord in your life, if you look back over your life, when you think about the goodness of Jesus, if you can't say, oh, hallelujah, that means that you are thinking of yourself more highly than you ought. Least 
makes you appreciate. The thing about appreciation is appreciation is hard to maintain. We don't like to maintain appreciation. We want to start acting like we deserve it. Because appreciation has to make you admit that you need help. And I don't know what it is about us that don't like to admit that we need help. But I came to tell you today, I need help. I need help from on high. I need God to move in my life. I need the Lord to open a door for me. I don't know who I'm talking to. I need a miracle right now. I need angels to ascend and descend. I need the Lord to go in front of me. I need God to tell me something I don't know. I need a witness. I need God to fill my account. I need God to touch somebody's life. I need God to heal somebody I love. I need help. I am not too high to admit I need help. And when I get that help, I will always give the credit. <laughs> when I was younger, we used to sing a song that said, and if there be any praise, let it go to Calvary. What was that? Andre Crouch? To God be the glory for the things that he has done. And if there be any praise, let it go to Calvary. It was a song that sounded like, if, I have, if there's praise, I'll give it. But I have found myself in a situation where there's no way I could ever take any of the praise after what I've been through. I should be out my mind. I just need a witness from somebody in the room that can say, oh, no, no, actually, I should be out my mind right now. Can I get a witness? I should actually, PA, you don't even know my story. I should be dead right now. I shouldn't even be here right now. I shouldn't be alive right now. I should not be clothed in my right mind. It is not hard for me to appreciate from the least space. Number four, I'm almost done. Number four, least makes you look and lunge. Have you ever been to a Gucci store? You ever been to a fancy mall that's got the high stuff in it? You know what I do? I go in there and walk around because if you can't afford anything, you might as well look at everything. <laughs> oh, I wish I had a witness. <laughs> you can't buy none anyway. It would only be frustrating if you didn't have quite enough. But since you can't afford it, you might as well look at it. Least makes you have the courage to look at a life that you don't have now. You'll never look above your current circumstance if you can't face the fact that right now it's not good. There's a whole lot of folk that don't even know what's better because if they look at better, the better will make them dissatisfied with what they have now. If they could ever admit that what they have now ain't that great, then it will embolden them to look at something bigger and better because you'll never lunge for something that you don't see. God has a way of allowing you to be in a situation where 
you're the last one that ought to have it. So you almost can't expect it. So you might as well look at it, and you might as well believe for it, and you might as well lunge for it. The least space removes all of your fake pride. The least space makes you say, you know what? Since I can't have it, I might as well look at it and believe for it. I go to everybody. If I find out somebody's got something popping, I go. Just came back from someplace in Nebraska with this dude who had this popping thing. Got this whole thing built and he built it and it's all done and it's all amazing and it's all popping. And when I got there, there's a war that's going on on the inside of you between the person in you that believes for greater and your hater. Because everybody in here got a hater inside of them. Oh, I need to honor somebody in this room with me. Everybody in here got a little voice in there that don't want to see their house because you're scared it's going to be better than yours. Don't want to go look at their church because you're still trying to get your money together to build yours and theirs is already done and they got gold on the toilets. And you're just trying to raise your dollars. And there's a part of you that's like, I don't feel like going over there and looking at nothing that they do. You know what I do with that? I step on that hater in me. I rebuke that in me and in every one of you in the name of Jesus. And I go to places and I'm like, show me, show me, show me. Ooh, look at that. Ooh, look at that. Ooh, look at that. Oh, my God. And I praise loud. There's nothing worse than somebody that comes to something that's bigger than they've ever seen and they front like it ain't nothing. That's so Boston. I don't know if you've ever been around anybody like that. They won't come to a house that they ain't never been in before and they just act like, oh, this is nice. And you want to smack them and say, stop. You ain't never been in a house like this. You ain't never been in a building like this. But they don't want to be sweating you. Listen, I will sweat all over you. I'll be like, wow. I'll be like, oh, my God. Show me the bathroom. Show me the storage space. Show me the closets. Show me the backyard. Show Show me the outside. Show me the gravel. Show me the road you built. Show me the way God made for you. Because if God can do that for you, I can't wait to see what God about to do for me. And the last thing I'm going to do is let my haters stop me from believing. Don't you dare be too big to go look at somebody bigger than you. I walk through it all. Whole time the devil is just talking in my ear. You ain't never going to get nothing done. And I'm like, the devil is a liar. Did you know that what the devil says is a lie? Let me, let me just... You've been hearing it your whole life, but let me speak this over you. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. I said the devil is a liar. No, no, I said the devil is a liar. No, 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 the devil is a liar. So that means that if he's telling you, you ain't never going to have this, 
you might as well go ahead and pack your bags. You might as well go ahead and get your stuff together. If he got the nerve to tell you that you ain't never gonna have it, you must be getting ready to have it. I need a believer in here. I need a believer. I need somebody to say, yes, it's mine. And what God has for me, can't nobody take it from me. Oh, I need a praiser. I need a praiser. I need somebody to say, oh, yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. The devil just told me my child will never be saved. The devil just told me I won't be healed. The devil just told me I'll never have money. The devil just told me I'll never be out of debt. And I just realized the devil is a liar. And if the devil's telling me that, I must be close. Sit down, sit down, sit down. I got one more point. Anybody hearing a word from the Lord this morning? I got one more point for you. And it's the thing about the least. And it's so powerful. Least makes you want to leave an inheritance. See, what happens is you realize that... The least is not this. When I look at this, this piece of fruit, this apple, the least in this thing, ooh, it's stuck back together, is something you can't even see. I'm holding the seed in my hand. This is the apple. This is the seed. And beloved, there is more power in this than in this. Because in this are thousands of these. Oh, I'm speaking that over somebody in this room. This is not the thing to focus on. This is the thing to realize is the real power. The least is the greatest. And a part of what least makes you admit is that this is not this. Least makes you admit you're running out of time. I know we all are sitting here saying 78 is young. 78 is not young. Small up yourself. 78 is old. But by the power of the Holy Ghost, 68 is young. 68 is not young. Eat all the kale you want. You're going to die. That's why I eat some kale. And I eat some biscuits because I'm going to die anyway. Drink all the kale smoothies you want. You're going to die. You might as well throw a biscuit in there every now and then. Let me move on. What I'm saying to you is least makes you admit that you're running out of time. 
I'm 54 years old. I might not look it, but don't let this black don't crack face fool you. My, if you make a noise when you get up, it's time to start thinking about your will. Well, I need a witness in the building. If when you jump, you land soft. I'm speaking this to everybody. If, every, if you look at this and you're like, oh, no, I don't think so. Let me get on down here. And if you take your steps well, two feet at a time, it is time to start thinking about your inheritance. If you jump and you land soft, it is time to start. If you wake up and it's raining and your left shoulder is bothering you, this is a sign that it's time to get a lawyer and start thinking about putting stuff in your living trust. This is a serious word because it's something we don't do. We don't do this. We're scared to talk about death. We're scared to think about the end. And we just think we're going to be young forever. Without admitting that maybe what we have is this. See, when you are okay with the least, you begin to say, you know what? Maybe I'm never going to be a multi multi million maybe I'm not going to get there in my lifetime so let me realize that if it's not enough to meet the need it might be seed I need a witness in the building we have to be careful that in our chasing of our dream we don't eat our baby's seed because when you admit that you from the least and came out the least and fought your way up from the least the last thing you want is for your babies to have to go through what you went through Oh, I need a witness in the building. I'm determined to leave an inheritance for my children's children. And I have to be careful that I don't look at this and think it's this. Least makes you small up yourself and realize your time is running short. It's appointed the man wants to die and after that the judgment and you can't avoid it. So you start to actually accept time for what it is. It's horrible how many of us are not prepared for death. Especially people that look like me. It's just not something we do. But that's because we have a hard time dealing with least. We have a least complex. And thinking of yourself in a box makes you feel least. 
And the ability to say, well, maybe I'm not going to get that. And maybe I'm not going to get there. Maybe that's not something I'm going to do. But I am glad that I ran my race and I finished my course. And I'm about to hand the baton of everything I have off to the next generation. And like Dr. King, I may say, hey, might not get there with you, baby. But y'all run on and see what the end's going to be. That perspective is a least perspective. It's a perspective that understands that the seed is power. And that what I leave behind me has the power to be even greater than what I have right now. Wherever you may be, whatever you think you've got, whatever you think you ought to have, whatever it is that you've accomplished up until this point, you ought to believe God. That your children and your children's children will be able to take what you have and it be seed. Oh, I need a witness in the building. You ought to believe for the next generation that they'll have even something greater than that. That what this was to you was this to them. That they take that little and it become multiplied. That we leave something behind us that shows that we were here. So part of how we live forever is we admit that we are flawed. We admit that we are human. We admit that we are temporal. We admit that this body has a fault in it. It is decaying. But that's all right. Because there is power in the seed I leave. And what I leave behind me lives on. And what I leave behind me is even more powerful than what I ate. And the thing that I spit out and don't even notice as anything is the thing that has the most power in it. And that our perspective shift. And instead of just looking back at where we came from, we look forward at where we will never be. If all we do is look beyond where we are and see where we will be next, our sight is too short. We gotta rub our eyes and anoint our eyes with eye salve. And we have to look and see where are my grandchildren going to be? Oh man. I got a long way to go in them. And maybe I'm not going to drink coffee right now because I want my baby's babies to be able to have something that I never had. And the last thing I want to do is eat the seed of the fruit. that I begin to realize that least 
makes me think about the end. And least makes me say, that's all right. I'm going to live on. I can't just eat. I have to leave something behind me. Amen. I don't think that was an accident that a baby hollered out when I said that. For all we know, that's, that's a future pastor. We have no idea who that, that little voice yelling out. We don't know who that was. And we're short-sighted if we don't think about the legacy and the inheritance that we leave. Put your hands together if you heard a word from the Lord this morning. Can I get you to give me just this? Can I get this from you right now? I'm not asking for this. I'm asking for this. Victory Park. We're about to build a building. A part of the future church that we're building is that I'm trying to build a building that won't be dependent on tithes and offerings. I'm trying to set the next generation up. You're watching live around the world. You can take a picture of that QR code in the room. I need you to help me because we're on our way to this building. We're on our way to, to, to breaking this ground, and I, I need you to help me. I need you to be a tither, and you can automate the important. I need you to give an offering above and beyond your tithe. I need you to join with me. I need you to give me some of this, some of the seed. The seed you sow is more powerful than the fruit you eat. If you need an offering envelope, just raise your hand. One of the gatekeepers will come to you quickly and give you an offering envelope. You might think, oh, Pastor Andy, y'all don't need me. Yes, we do. We need your 20. We need your 50. The 20 is your lunch. It's just, your, it's just a seed. It's a meal. But in it is an orchard. World Overcomers is almost 20 years old. We were trying to sit and think about it the other day. The amount of people that have joined the church, the amount of people that have come through these doors, the amount of people that we have baptized in these last 20 years, it is thousands. It is thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands. The amount of folks who have walked through these doors in Easter services and New Year's Eve services and the amount of people that are watching live around the world, the amount of people that are impacted by the ministry has been in the thousands, in the, I dare say, hundreds of thousands that we have impacted as a result of the anointing of God. Praise God for that. But now, now, we are moving from these leased spaces to our permanent home. And a part of what we're doing when we're doing this, beloved, is it's not just how amazing the church is going to be for us. It's going to be amazing for us. We're going to have a state-of-the-art worship service there, worship center there. We're going to be able to broadcast to the world. But honestly, beloved, when I think about Victory Park, I'm thinking about our babies' babies. I'm thinking about 
what we leave behind. The race is not given to the swift, neither the battle to the strong, but the one that endures to the end is the one that will be saved. And the end is that you leave something behind you. I want to leave something behind us in this community. I want you to leave something behind you when you're in the life of your child and your grandchild and your great-grandchild. I want your grandchild to have a picture of you on their wall. Say, that's Gigi mama up there. She started this whole thing. For you to leave a legacy. And it starts by your ability to sacrifice your seed. You learn it in church, then you learn it in investments, or you learn it in investments and you learn it in church. You learn it, you, uh, you, you set aside a part of what you have to plant for the upcoming harvest. In an agricultural society, it's just something everybody does. To us, it's different. We eat down to the nothing. But it is not wise to eat your seed. So part of what we're doing is we're sowing into our own future. We're giving to the work of the kingdom. Bow your head. Let me pray for our Lord and pray that you would bless both gift and giver. I pray that you'd open up the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing that we don't have room enough to receive it. God, I pray that your glory would be revealed in us. Lord, thank you so much for what you said to us today. Thank you for this moment in which we admit that we're in a least space. As we small up ourselves, as we humble ourselves so that you don't have to humble us, as we realize that we, we need to lean on you. We have a lot to learn. We ought to be grateful. We ought to love you hard and loud. We ought to look. We ought to reach. We ought to leave an inheritance, leave something behind us. God, I pray that your glory would be revealed in the truth of the wisdom of your word. And you multiply this seed supernaturally in Jesus' name. We all sit together. God bless you as you give. We have so many things that are happening with us at World Overcomers. And Go to the website. You'll see all of the information, great stuff that's happening, stuff that's taking place. Still having our service online Wednesday nights. And uh, our winter revival is coming up, and it's going to be powerful, serious. Men and women of God are going to be coming through here. You do not want to miss that. Serious, serious moments. And uh, we are determined to teach faith to you and fill you full of the Holy Ghost so that the devil will get off your life. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Anybody hear a word from the Lord this morning? Yeah, you heard a word from the Lord? Praise God. Praise God. Just give another second. We'll be dismissed. Let's let the gatekeepers just grab this offering. Thank you so much for your generosity. Thank you for giving literally around the world. We believe the seed you sow never leaves your life goes into your future, goes into your destiny. All right, jump on your feet. Let's pray. God, we want to thank you. Thank you.
Thank you for living so big in us today. Thank you for speaking to us and through us. Thank you for your word that is able to save our souls, just build us up and give us an inheritance among all that is sanctified. Dismiss us from this place, but never from your presence. Those of us that are online around the world as we share this message, God, I pray that the power in it will transfer. God, as we always pray, bless your people, make your face shine upon your people, be gracious to your people and give us peace. And may the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, you're our rock, you're our redeemer. We love you. In Jesus' name, we all sit together. Amen. God bless you. Greet somebody in the name of the Lord. Give somebody a holy hug. You are dismissed. Bless you. Hopefully you were blessed and encouraged by this message. Visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast for more information on WOCC and events that are coming up. Maybe we are coming to your area soon. God bless.